0: Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best founders and investors to help you scale up business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today's guest is Stian, uh, the CEO at Wak- Wakwa t uh, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm very glad to be here.
0: It's, it's a pleasure. And you are coming from, uh, from Norway, from the north of, uh, of Norway, right?
1: Yeah, so I, I, I grew up in the north of Norway, which is in the Arctic part of the world. But actually, I live in, in a place called Stavanger now, which is in the southwest of Norway. Ah, so it's, okay. uh, it, it's a little bit different climate zone. It's it's not as cold, but it, it just rains all the time here. So okay. I'm not sure if, uh, if I made the right choice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How far away from Oslo?
1: Um, I think it's around forty-five minutes by uh, by airplane. Oh, so so, so Oslo is in the southeast, and then Stavanger is in the southwest.
0: Okay. So and and uh, I forgot because I've been in Bergen and uh, in Oslo. Uh, Bergen is closer to to where to to the city where you are today. Or... Yeah.
1: Yes, much, much closer. Uh, Bergen is also in the same region, so that's the southwest of Norway. But its it actually takes a bit of time to drive there because uh, you know the geography of Norway. Exactly. We have a lot of, uh, of coasts yeah. and, and and mountains uh, and, and fjords, so you kind of have to, it's not a straight exactly. Uh, road.
0: Exactly, exactly. But awesome for the ones who didn't have the pleasure to, to get to know you, uh, please give us a little bit of a background and uh, what motivated you to start uh, Aquaticode. Sure. Uh, so my name is uh, Stian Dranglid, I'm the
1: CEO of Aquaticode, which is uh, an early stage company that builds AI for aquaculture. Uh, before doing this, I used to work for a company called uh, Nutreco, uh, which is the world's largest aqua feed producer, and I, I had several positions uh, uh, within that company. I spent some years in Brazil, and then some years in Ireland. And before I joined the head office to to lead Skretting's uh, global RAS efforts. So RAS is recirculating aquaculture systems. It's basically a system that allows you to to uh, grow salmon or another aquatic species on land uh, in a constrained uh, facility. And if you go back even further, I, I used to I used to uh, work as a management consultant, and I've also been an active angel investor for for some years before I uh, even started in aquatic aquaculture. Um, I, I can say a little bit about Aquatico. So yes, uh, we absolutely. are we are the product of 15 different uh, industrial R&D partnerships across the value chain of multiple aquatic species. So we, we are heavily R&D based uh, and we launched a product uh, for gender sorting salmon uh, last year, a small product, a scanner. And now this year we are actually launching or we actually placed our first uh, machine the sort pro at the facility customer facility and what this machine does it's gender sort salmon at very uh high speed ten thousand fish per hour and I, I i know it's probably not the scope of this uh this podcast but it does it. <laughs> if, if you if you gender separate salmon the males grow faster than the females so you can you can have a shorter production cycle for the males so that's one of the advantages and then we're we're launching a product uh, for shrimp uh, i think this year as well
0: about it sounds, sounds amazing, and um, and I know that in terms of the um, we are seeing this trend even in the podcasts, uh, people also, and especially experienced executives and operators that want to start their own companies and see the potential to de risk a little bit their journey with by joining a venture builder, and sometimes also because the venture builder already has an idea that matches well, they also help with uh, finding a co founder, etc. etc. So if you could kind of uh, let us know a little bit more about your journey and why you decided to to join a venture builder uh, a CEO and what you see as the pro the pros and cons of the model I think this will be beneficial also for other uh, founders
1: yeah, yeah it, it's a very good question and I I didn't actually start a quitetico the, the the company was started by by the venture builder but I yeah, exactly. but I think it's a fantastic model and I'm happy to, to talk about it. So Naker Capital, which is uh, the company behind Aquatic Gold, uh, is a very competent owner. Uh, they have a very strong track record in the intersection of computer vision and biology, which is, of course, where we operate. It was started by Motej Nieberg uh, some years ago, and he, he started it after the sale of face.com, which, uh, which is basically the algorithm, sort of the technology powering, face recognition in, in Instagram and Facebook and, and Apple albums. So, so it was started actually with a very strong uh, insight in, in the domain. And, and what they do and what I really admire is that they have entrepreneurs and staff. So Aquaticold was actually started by a person called uh, Al Brenner, who's, uh, who's the chairman of Aquaticold today. And they are constantly looking for uh, new areas where they can leverage their expertise uh, I think uh, I think what's interesting is they, they actually do cost, cast a very wide net. So they are looking at current and, and future attractiveness of, of different sectors. They're looking at the technological maturity, etc and to give you one example i know that when they were when they were thinking about aquatico, they were also uh they were also looking at uh, silk silkworms so basically silk production right uh, but they ended up uh uh, uh uh choosing aquaculture and putting considerable effort into the industry Got which it. to me to me it makes a lot of sense you know feeding 9.7 billion people by 2050 is the greatest challenge of our time and yeah. aquaculture Reduces the strain on on nature uh, compared to other uh, uh, types of protein production. So the nutritional density of, of salmon and shrimp is very high. Carbon footprint is is lower than than uh, than uh, land-based animals, at least uh, most of them. And also the land use and the water use is uh, is also significantly lower. And so so to go back to the venture builder. So what Nacre does yeah. is they very Early, when they start a company, complement their, their technological proudness with uh, a competence advisory board consisting of, of industry titans, basically mm-hmm. people who have a very strong and a very long track record within, in, in this case, aquaculture. Right. And once they, the, you know, they plant a seed for a company and it starts to grow, they hand over the reins for the company uh, to somebody uh, or, or management with uh, with relevant experience to to running that particular company. So, so for Aquaticode, of course, it was natural to to go to the, the uh, aquaculture industry and and uh, and, uh, and then hire someone, which which in this case was me.
0: Right. This is sen- sounds great. And and on your side, what attracted you to, to join an opportunity uh, like Aquatico and, and, and to join this concept, right?
1: Yeah, I um so I've i I've, I've been an early stage investor for some years, as as I mentioned, and I've always been yeah. attracted to entrepreneurships. Uh, right, innovation yeah. and innovation has also been a constant through my career. So I've been able to work with entrepreneurs and innovators for, for many many years. Yeah, and uh, and I, I always figured that at some point I would I would join a startup or 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 as in this case as a scale up myself. And and, uh, yeah. and I thought that that world seemed tremendously interesting. And then you know maker uh, capital came along and, and and they started this company within this industry, which I, I really uh, really like to be in aquaculture and, and and where I, I, I have uh, you know domain knowledge already and and it was just a very good merging of two worlds for me right. so i was uh, I was very uh, I was very intrigued when when uh, when they first contacted me and, and i uh, I mean, I, I didn't really have a choice. This this uh, this opportunity for me was uh, was perfect.
0: And it, it was nice. So it was kind of an inbound uh, opportunity that you start considering. So it was not something that you saw an opportunity there and you decided to start talking with them. It was it was the the opposite. Say so they came they they came to you to because they found they they thought that you would be a great fit for for the role yes
1: yes and I was actually I was actually very happy where I where I was so so that was uh, <laughs> uh, I, I wasn't actively looking at opportunity it was actually one of the guys in the the advisory board of Aquatic Gold uh, that had mentioned me to to Nacre Capital and and so that's sort of how how it all came that's to all be happened.
0: okay yeah. sounds great so it was not something that you were you were thinking about that you were planning, sometime I will start my own company, but it was something that, uh, of course, maybe you thought about it, but the opportunity came and you said, oh, now it's it's too good to to, to refuse to, to join a, a challenge like this one, right? So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in terms of the stage of growth, uh, where are you with uh, Aquaticals at at the moment? team-wise, whatever the metrics you can share, of course, and what you can disclose.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, um, so I would consider us a scale-up. We we have launched uh, products and Mm -hmm. we have, uh, I mean, we're fortunate because we're seeing a lot of demands for the products. So, uh, and and there's a hardware component to our product, right? We're building machines powered by AI uh, in the case of the the products that we, we now have in the market. Uh, so, where we are as a company is we are we are scaling up the manufacturing of the, those machines. We are working to fulfill uh, the contracts that we have entered.
0: Got it. And uh, I know that you have a, a very interesting policy in what relates to talent, team, uh, also the, the remote policy, uh, where you have a policy of uh, candidate quality first. So, you might have some Time zone restrictions uh, or not, but uh, you really are looking for for uh, the best talent wherever they are uh, located. I think this is quite unique. We are seeing more and more startups going in this direction. But now that the pandemic is is going away, we are seeing also not a lot of companies going into hybrid modes and, uh, and not being so remote friendly uh, anymore. So it's always exciting to to see a startup that is really embracing. Uh, remote and uh, and having a very diverse team also as well uh, since the beginning what has been your experience so far and what is your policy and what can you share with uh, with other founders operators executives that are leading their scale-ups?
1: yeah so i i think we are a little bit of a product of uh, of the pandemic actually we we started doing uh, serious hiring when the pandemic still was ongoing and and we made a very conscious choice and we've stuck to the choice that we will hire the best candidate, independent of geography. Uh, the work that we do, the nature of the work means that you can work from anywhere, right? You don't necessarily have to be under the same roof, although of course meeting every once in a while and having, right. having sprints, uh, crunches, I, I think is important, but, but for most of the time it works well for us to work remotely and to coordinate over teams and to, and to, uh, to do all of that uh i i think for us it's been a tremendous uh opportunity because artificial intelligence as a field machine learning i think is uh, it's a growing field in norway for sure where i'm based uh, but then you have these major technological hubs you have tel aviv you have sao paulo you have silicon valley right and we've been able to hire uh, talent from all of them and and uh, actually, more interestingly, I, I think uh, talent from from these hubs have sought us out to 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 work with the aquaculture industry. So, so I do think it creates some some major opportunities. And of course, I mean there's challenges as well. You mentioned time zones. Uh, so we say that we will hire anywhere, but but we have uh, we, we have maybe we are trying to limit ourselves between uh, uh, Tel Aviv and Silicon Valley because because uh, time then difference make... Becomes... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can be complicated in terms of meetings. Right. It can be complicated, but it also, I think, can be a benefit because you yep. tend to have a lot of uh, concentrating meetings in the in the European, you know, after after lunch. Uh, right. uh, but, uh, the, the American but morning... then you are
0: free in the morning and for Americans, they are free in the afternoon uh, and they they have all the meetings in the in, in the same period of the day. Right?
1: Yes. So basically, you do have a lot of time where you, you get to just uh, uh, sit okay. down and produce on this disrupted for, which I think is good for the type of, of work we do.
0: I, I fully agree uh, with that. There was a time that I was uh, working. Both with Latam and, uh, and the US, and I had the opportunity in the in the morning, being based in Europe, to be fully focused on on doing what I needed to do, and then in the afternoon only heavy meetings. And uh, it was one of the most productive times uh, of my life because then I I had my slots to do what I needed to do, and then in the afternoon I would I would have my my time to meet people and uh, and organize and uh, align with the team and and so on. Uh, and of course, that uh, is also the advantage of Europe in, in that sense because uh, if you are working also with Asia, you can do the same. Uh, yeah. In the morning you have the meetings and then in the afternoon you are free to, to work in w- whatever you you need to. So that's true. It can be uh, an advantage.
1: Yeah, and I, I think there, there's a cultural dimension here as well, which which can be a challenge. But for us, I, I think yeah, I think it worked out nicely. So I do think if you were to ask people within Aquatico, the they would tell you that this is a this is a very nice place to work, and there's a good relationship with uh, with the colleagues. Right, maybe maybe it has to do also with the fact that we are an early stage company. You know, there, there's right. a lot of uh, of course, unforeseen events and and problem solving. You're in the trenches together all the time, and I do think that that creates uh, uh, creates strong bonds between between uh, the people you work with and yourself.
0: It's it's a good point, and I, I think it's also related with the the profile of the people. There are people, especially in early stage, we would say even the opposite, right? There are so many changes, so many iterations that it would be good to be together uh, in the same space because it's 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 easy to need to have those tough discussions or to pivot uh, some solutions. But uh, at, at the same time, you also need to have a certain Emotional and psychological profile to be able... And we know there are people that prefer and are much more productive working in a remote setting and in a multicultural setting. And they will be super bored if they would need to go to the office and if they would have... Uh, peers or colleagues, all of the same nationality of the same city, uh, we, we know, uh, at least for me, it's super important to have multicultural uh, team members and then to work with different nationalities, to have my own rhythm, my own biorhythm. rhythm uh, And uh, it's good to be in person, as you said, but uh, again, it's it's enough to be once a month or once a quarter to spend a week together uh, to be able then to make even remote more, more effective. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: and to travel for purposes like
1: you don't necessarily need to be with every time everyone every time you you travel exactly. somewhere you can have specific meetings around specific topics that applies to to a group of people within the company. I, I think it's. Uh, I, I mean, it has advantages and challenges, right? You just need right. to be mindful of uh, of uh, how to hone both of
0: them uh, the right way. The decision you made, absolutely. Yeah. And then and in, in that sense, to also put together the team, to hire new members, we know, uh, especially in early stages, uh, one of the main challenges is to, we know that the first people that we hire can, can break the company, right? So if, if we don't hire well, and I think that in that sense, the venture builder support when they have an HR function or a people function, a people and culture function, it helps the entrepreneurs to ensure that they are hiring the right people, for, for the right seats. Did it help? Uh... Yeah, you, you're right.
1: And, and I think that's that's also a, a a privilege of being part of a venture builder. We don't, so everyone we've hired within the organization now is core business. They are technologists or, or they are engineers or, or they are working with the product in, in one way or another. Uh, legal, Amazing. finance, HR, especially recruiting uh, uh, and marketing, uh, we have people in the venture builder that helps the portfolio companies with, with these things. So we have, for example, a very competent uh, uh, legal function that Aquaticode Code can use uh, that I, I think normally would have to be a bigger company than we are to have, uh, have the strength of, of that particular function. Right? But we're able to use it because we, we don't use them all the time, but when we use them, they are there and then, and then they are ready to, to work with us
0: sounds great so it, this is also an advantage is you are able to kind of delegate the support functions or have the support on the support functions and then have the 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 core and, and the go to markets uh inside uh, the your 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 right
1: yeah exactly it's a it's a good way to keep the organizational chart uh, lean I think so we're not uh, we're definitely not bloated when it comes to to people but but I do think we have the relevant people in the right places
0: Yeah something interesting that we always discuss here on the show it's it's the importance of radical focus to to scale right so should we go to expand the company? Typically, we discuss a lot uh, opening new geographies, uh, selling the same product to new geographies or adding industries or um, you know, adding different sizes of companies, kind of going, starting with SMB and then going to uh, enterprise customers. Uh, here, it, it seems that you are very focused on, on what is the aquaculture uh, industry. And you are launching new products to solve the needs of um, of that sector. So, uh, and uh, I found it interesting when when we were preparing this podcast, the way that we you, you ensure focus for your company, which I think it's it's quite innovative. And I've seen other companies doing the same, but it, it's it, it's it's rare. So I'd I love you to explain how do you keep the focus uh, with uh, Acuity Code.
1: Yeah, I I I really like that. That question. So, so for us, I think it's about balancing focus and aspiration. Like, so if, if you if you take a business 101 class, it will tell you to stick to the core, uh, which of course, um, and especially I think when you're you're a growing company, uh, it requires laser sharp focus to transform an idea to a commercial success. Um, because a narrower part path I think logically should solidify your trajectory, it should deepen your expertise, it should clarify priorities, and it should also determine resource allocation. But in my mind also, it can uh, constrain vision, right? So innovation happens when we broaden our horizons, when we are curious and courageous in exploring new opportunities. And the major uh, breakthroughs uh, I think are very likely to come from, from unexpected places, let's put it that way. So, but that's not to say I, I think that we should divide our attention equally in five different directions. So we work with multiple species, we work with um, with the innovation project at multiple stages, but we don't necessarily do 20% effort, this, 20% this, 20% this, 20% this, and 20% this, right? Typically, what we do is we work 80%, we, we spend 80% of our effort on focused execution. For us, that's launching the SORT promo now, which is the machine that I was talking about earlier. We spend 80% of the organization's resources on the machine, but then also we spend maybe 20% of, of the organizational resources on aspirational exploration. Right. So I do think keeping, keeping to the, the core and having a good focus and being able to execute and actually finish things, wrap things up, get them into the market, I, I think is super important, but I don't necessarily think it's a contradiction to, to also uh, uh, working on what's beyond that, that first milestone right. or what's beyond that first product. And to give you to give you one example, although this isn't, uh, I wouldn't consider this aspirational. This is much more near term. But but the uh, the machine that we've built, uh, uh, mm-hmm. the primary or the first function will be uh, gender sloping but we're adding a lot of other features to the machine. So it's actually more of a platform than, the, than a machine, right? Got it. It's, it's, uh, it, it can collect a lot of data through, through RGB imaging and, and through ultrasound, and we can get a lot of information, and we're launching with one particular thing, but then we can expand it, right? We can launch new features right. that look for new things uh, uh, in the Salmon. Uh, and then we have more visionary things. Things that we think uh, will, will have a tremendous impact on, on aquaculture, but we know it's going to take uh, uh, some time to get it into the markets. Right? We know we have to, we have to balance the, the near and the long term
0: so kind of the ip and the technology is the same but the use case is different and 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 the segment that you are using the use case for is also different i'm not a specialist in the area but uh you can use the same technology to solve problems related about uh, with uh, with salmon and also with with Shrimp. but it's it's the same technology but the use case and of course the application is uh is different there, yeah, yeah. And, and for a large part of it it's the same team as right as well right
1: and when you work yep. with innovation you'll have somebody who who does the earlier stuff getting to the proof of concept right and then you'll have somebody who will work uh, uh towards uh, uh you know a minimum viable product and then eventually a product and it's That's not necessarily the, the the same people who does all of these different stages so, right. so I also think it's a good way to keep people in the organization uh, uh, challenged and busy is to 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 sort of have a good view of a portfolio of, of innovation
0: products. Right. Right. Good point. Uh, something, of course, that uh, I was understanding that you have a component of hardware, uh, but I, I think that you also have some thoughts around that, uh, how to keep software first and how to be able to deal with hardware. Uh, in in this case for for the different products that you are launching
1: yeah so we we have a, we have an automation engineer employed at, at the code so it's very important for us to have uh domain knowledge internally in the company but then we also rely heavily on on hardware partners because we're not we're not an automation company we have some competency for automation but we don't have we don't have a workshop you know we don't have anywhere to to bend metal or to i i i think that's something that that we acknowledge uh, is better left to someone else and then we can focus on we can focus on the vision we can focus on the direction we can focus on the product side of the the automation and we can focus on on the ai which essentially is uh is our core and 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 there's a lot of very good uh engineering partners out there both when it comes to to design and manufacturing so so i also think we don't we don't need to do all of it, right? there are people who are experts in this that we can uh, we can uh, we can build something together with. But uh, but for us, then, uh, since you mentioned IP, we always maintain ownership, right? Right. That's uh, that's an important part. It's always sort of uh, it's 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 uh, it's our machine, it's our vision. It's we are the ones who's uh, standing there at the drawing board, uh, etc. But then somebody else puts it out to, to life.
0: Right. And in terms of the variables to scaling up uh, equity codes, um, do you see certain geographies? Again, this is a very specific uh, industry. We are trying to extract some of the lessons learned scaling up a company and having a diverse view on the process of scaling up. But um, do you see that there are specific countries who, where you can have more success uh, or do you see that you will be focused on just one country and then adding new products? So what, what would be kind of your strategies to scale up uh, Aquatic code? Yeah, so, so for the different aquatic species,
1: it's actually different countries. So if you, if you use salmon as an example, half of the salmon in the world uh, is farmed here in Norway. And then 25% is farmed right. in Chile. And then the other big players are, are uh, you know, Canada, UK, and, uh, and uh, Australia. So, so those are the, the very natural markets uh, for us. Um, when it comes to shrimp, then it's, uh, it's, it's a bigger picture, right? You have, you have Ecuador, right. you have Vietnam, you have India, etc. cetera, etc. cetera, et cetera. So the, the geography, I think, of, of shrimp farming is larger than salmon. Also, the customer is quite different. So, uh, the salmon industry is a lot more consolidated than the shrimp industry. So, you have you have big, big players within the salmon industry, which uh, which, from a sales perspective, means uh, means uh, you, you get to spend a lot of time talking to these players and building relationships and and collaborating yeah. with them. In shrimp farming you have big players as well and you have some very big players and and you can do the same there but then you also have a long tail of uh,
0: of uh, of smaller farmers got it got it and and you see there that you will keep adding different fish uh, spe- species or uh, it it is possible to be able to build to build a very big business just within salmon and and the shrimp uh, species
1: Salmon and shrimp, I, I think, are the two largest uh, species in aquaculture. Okay. So you can you can build uh, you can build a big business in any of them. Right? If you if just you one. if you yeah just one. If you limited yourself to salmon, you can build a very big business uh, in AI uh, there, and, and you can do the same in shrimp. Um, so we, we chose to do both for the reasons that I, I mentioned that uh, the aspirational and the sort of the looking, uh, looking at what's around the curve and, uh, and also recognizing that they're both very important and high growth species. Uh, that's, uh, that will have a tremendous impact on, on, uh, on our planet overall if it's, uh, if it's done right and if it's scaled right.
0: Right. So, and, and do you see that you would be limiting now your growth to those two uh, species and focus there, or, or are you still planning to add uh, more species uh, to the portfolio of fish? <laughs> I, I love I this think, show. <laughs> I, I have to say, because <laughs> it's challenging I think, me. Uh, it's a new industry <laughs> for me.
1: <laughs> I, I think it's, uh, I think we're curious by nature. So we, we are interested in talking to uh, industry players of other species as well. We're not limited to shrimp and salmon, but for practical reasons, uh the, our immediate roadmap is around shrimp and salmon because because even even if the aspirational work or the exploratory work happens in the twenty percent, there's only there's only so many things you can have going on in those twenty percent as well.
0: Right.
1: But we 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 do have a dialogue with uh with the uh, um, industry players that aren't from from salmon and from or from uh, shrimp.
0: So in other words, uh, I think that you keep your organization as a scale up, building new startups and launching new products that need to, again, to go through uh, finding problem solution fits, product market fits before going into go to market fits and, and and scaling up. And something that I like for you to kind of define the core is the combination of, uh, so where is your core is the combination of AI, R&D, And aquaculture so it's and being kind of software first and focusing on the technology and being able to develop that technology and also being um, able to create a a defensible uh, proprietary technology for for aquatic culture right yeah and i I think
1: part of the reason why we've been able to cover so much r d ground is because we can do a lot with uh, small data sets so part of our expertise is actually working with small data sets and and it's important when it comes to the life sciences because you cannot you cannot go online and just buy a library of uh of whatever you're looking at right you have to do groundwork you have to get your hands dirty and and collect data and 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 it's a it's a massively resource intensive uh, process in itself so being able to 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 uh, draw meaning from from smaller data sets I, th- I think is uh is also an important part of the work
0: Got it. And uh, something that I found interesting is, then we were. Of course, I was focusing myself on this is a, a aquaculture aqua uh, business, but the way you related the problem and the solution and and your journey with the vision and the importance and the impact that this vision will have in solving the problems of of uh, of the globe and of the. Human species uh, is it was very very inspiring. So, uh, how do you see the future of uh, aquaculture and uh, how do you see the impact? I really enjoy the way you articulated your um, your your narrative. Right? Thank you.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so the um, uh, let's say the higher purpose is definitely there, and, and and aquaculture is part of the future. And then within aquaculture, you have five major uh, trends going on so uh, it's recirculating aquaculture systems which is uh, what i've talked about earlier Um, you have novel feed ingredients um, you have uh, the internet of things you have selective breeding and then you have ai I, I think AI will have a tremendous effect on aquaculture as it has in any industry, industry. because you are able, to, you are able to, to classify and make predictions at the blink of an eye, right? You're able to, to have consistent, transparent, sustainable decisions made. And if you put automation around that, which is what we're doing, right, you, you, you're able to do it at, at very high speed and at scale. Um, and I think you don't need to look too far from from aquaculture to see how the combination of automation and AI is really a game changer. I mean, it's the it's the fourth industrial revolution, isn't it? Right. Uh, so, and I do think it's it's a very natural next step for uh, for the industry. I, I think it will have a tremendous impact. And that's for us, we also chose specifically to focus on biology. Number one, because nature capital, that's uh, that's part of their their core expertise. Got it. Um, but number two also because we think a lot of the potential is there. Uh, and specifically, if you can focus on on early, Uh, in the case of salmon you can focus on on uh, predicting performance traits uh, uh, biological Mm -hmm. traits animal welfare uh, farm management Mm -hmm. uh, related topics at a very early stage and being able to to make decisions uh for the fish almost at an individual level at an early stage that that really has a big impact on on the full life
0: cycle of the fish wow super super inspiring and uh, and great to see that we, we we have been seeing kind of the software is eating the world and now it's all about ai uh is eating the world and uh and all the industries so there there is so much to to do and we are just seeing that with the the chat gpt uh, uh circulating across linkedin and uh, everywhere about what can be Uh, Automated or how much that uh, solution can help us uh, humans to focus on what what can make the the difference. And yeah, time flies. And so we are getting closer to to the last segment of the show. But before uh, everyone always likes to listen about fundraising lessons and what has been your journey uh, fundraising wise. So. how has been the evolution or, uh, how many runs did you, did you raise, uh, how it happens because you are also involved again in the venture builders. We have been discussing since the beginning. So what, what are some of your tips and uh, lessons learned and what has been your journey so far with equity uh, code?
1: Yeah. So we, we, uh, um, I think it was in September, we announced that we did a, a 6 million, uh, series, a, uh, fundraise.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I actually think this is another, uh, key benefit of uh, of being backed by a venture builder so maker capital has a has a very strong track record uh, so when we were fundraising we primarily did it through their existing network uh, some of the investors had you know successfully invested in other companies within the portfolio with significant yeah. returns and and we're reinvesting that money and i i think it's easier to to join a, let's say a, a voyage when you already when you already know the uh, the crew, but beyond this, I also think uh, uh, beyond the current network that they already have. I think having them uh, and their name behind us help helps us open a lot of doors. It it does. Uh, it does make a statement. I think about who we are as a company. We're not. Um, uh, uh, we're not first-time travelers. We're not uh, a small band right. of people. Uh, we have a whole system behind us. Not that there's nothing wrong with being first-time travelers or or, or exactly. a small band yeah. of people, but exactly. but I, I think for us that that made the fundraising a lot easier. So we didn't actually. Um, I, I mean, f- fundraising is never easy, but but we didn't right. have major challenges uh, closing yeah. the
0: rounds. How long did it take because everyone has a different, uh, experience and
1: yeah, I, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I'm not actually sure, but let's say around half a year, uh, or something, and but, normal, normal but it period. is, yeah. it, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a process, isn't it? Because you, you right. keep dialogue with investors, uh, ideally when you're not fundraising also. So I, I also, uh, talk actively right. to, to investors, uh, um, uh, you know on, on a monthly basis, uh, even though we're not fundraising, just to, to make sure that you have the relationship and they know about you. and, and if we right. were to do another round, I think it's an easier uh, it's an easier uh, place to be in exactly. when, when you already when you have somebody who knows you and they've, they've followed your progress and they, 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 they know what's going on. Uh, yeah so so that's why I, I think the lines between active fundraising and, and and then just talking to investors is a bit blurry
0: right. So it's, it's a really good tip that we have shared here on the show several times, just uh, keeping potential and current investors on the know and sharing regular updates is super yeah. important, especially because you need to do that for, for the ones who are already investors, but for the potential investors, nobody obliges you to do it, but it helps to create a relationship and to create confidence and even sometimes for them to be able to, to help out. So it's it's always good to just prepare a short email where you share kind of the progress uh, every two months or every uh, quarter uh, at least, uh, it helps a lot to create that that relationship and to keep potential investors on the know and and to build that that relationship. Awesome. Yeah. So let's go into the last uh, segment of the show uh, where I ask you a quick question. You give me. Uh, a brief answer, please. And uh, if you'd have the opportunity, Stian, to, um, to get back to the beginning um, or to, to the moment that you decided to join equity Code and have a coffee with your younger self. What advice would you offer to your younger Stian? It was almost one mm-hmm. year ago, right? So it was not a very long time ago, but uh, but still. Uh, I'm sure that you already <laughs> had uh, some interesting conversation to have with Steen <laughs> in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I was actually young one
1: year ago, but uh, but anyway. <laughs> so I, I think I would say that it's uh, it's never the right time to join a startup, but it's also never the wrong time. Right, it's a big leap to take, and 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 for sure, I mean, uh, it's uh, being in uh, being in an early stage company is something very different from being in a in a large established company. But uh, but I would I would tell myself to just go for it.
0: Go for it. And, and you will. Uh, the good thing is that now you have the experience of a, of a, uh, of a startup scale up and the, the experience of a large corporate, right? So you have both, yeah. <laughs> so, which already <laughs> differentiates you. And, and the second one is, what are you the most proud of on your journey so far?
1: yeah uh, oh that's a that's a big question oh, apart from my family and the obvious things I, I do actually think it's being part of building aquatico i I, I find it tremendously gratifying to, to to seeing the progress of of the team on a, on a week by week and a month by month and then uh, you know a year by year basis it's uh it's yeah it's it's really really something special for
0: me. yeah at the end of the day it's all about the people that we we spend the time uh, with or that we invest. Yeah. Uh, the time we fully agreed Worst advice ever received Trust the
1: universe <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just passively
1: trust it Don't do anything
0: Just, just uh, trust it <laughs> Everything will happen Yes, exactly. and it happens if you don't do yeah. anything. It happens.
1: Yeah, I guess. I guess life life is uh, it's a series of random events and happenstances. So in some way, you are kind of. Uh, but yeah, that, that's the worst advice I've gotten.
0: Got it. That's a good one. A good addition to to our list of worst advice yeah. uh, received. And now the resources. Your favorite book? It can be business or non-business. This is much more uh, a funny segment to get to know our guests.
1: Yeah, I'm 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 a big uh, sucker for Stephen King's The Dark Tower series. So that's my. Uh, it's a series, so it's not a book, but I I really I really like it.
0: Okay. Right,
1: yes. I mean I, I haven't read it for years but but I remember it was uh, it was a uh, it was a thrilling I don't know how long the series
0: is, 8000
1: pages or something but
0: I <laughs> Okay. What well, yeah. that stuck a, with me. That's a great adventure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, your favorite movie or or series?
1: Right now I I'd have to say The White Lotus. I think it's uh, it's immensely entertaining and and sort of intense but but in a very slow way uh okay. so, so suspenseful in a slow way okay what is the and, story um,
0: about what what and what is the title again uh still? the white lotus okay i think white lotus. i think it's on hbo ah got it okay for the ones who want to check that out okay yeah and uh, and finally, your favorite uh, podcast, excluding this one. Yeah, I was gonna say. Thank you. Very kind of you. <laughs> <still>. <laughs> uh, my,
1: my favorite podcast, excluding this one, I, I I think is Writing Excuses by Brandon Sanderson. It's about okay. uh, well, it's about writing, uh, but but fiction writing.
0: Okay. Cool. Yeah. I can see where mind is is coming from by by yeah. the resource you just shared with us Stian uh congrats for for your journey and for what you've been doing and also for uh sharing fresh insights into the show and and making it even more innovative and uh and, and for sharing your experience with with all this thanks so much for joining us today thank you and to our community thanks for being on that side as you see we keep inspiring you we keep bringing you new resources new insights to make your life a little bit easier as you scale up your business. See you soon and keep scaling.